Hey, this is Chelsea Emery from Christ Walk Church, and this is our podcast. For more information about our church, visit thechristwalk.com. We hope this message encourages you to live for something more. Thanks for listening. Hey, if you got a Bible um, or a smart device, turn with me, swipe with me. Uh, We're going to be in two different places today. Um, Start out in Ecclesiastes, that's in the Old Testament, um, uh, part of the poetry books, Ecclesiastes, Poetry and Wisdom, um, chapter 4. And so we're going to spend a few minutes there towards the beginning of the message. And then maybe stick your finger or just make a mental placeholder for Acts chapter 2. We'll get there at the close of the message. Um, Typically not something that I do, but both of those are kind of paramount for what we're talking about this morning. So Ecclesiastes 4, Acts chapter 2. I can remember... Um, I was born in 1981, so I remember growing up, just to give you a little bit of perspective, um, I remember going over to my grandparents' house as a kid, and they had one of those TV sets that was a piece of furniture. You know what I'm talking about? Um, it was like in the big wooden box, and it had the, you know, the, the speaker on the front of it with the ornate grill. I think it even, it did have a remote, but it also had dials. And anyone under the age of 30 is like, what, the speaking Japanese? Um, it has no clue what, I was, uh, what I'm talking about. Um, but I, I can remember that, you know, as a kid, seven, eight years old, going over and, and um, you know, in the evening and, and being there with my grandparents. And it seemed like at that time, I don't know why I have just a vivid recollection of this, it seemed like my grandfather was always watching like National Geographic, Right? And I'm convinced that in the early 80s, National Geographic only had one program and one program alone, and it was in like the African plains, and it was a group of zebras that were being hunted by lions. That's all that it showed, because every time I was over there, you know, and, and there's, a, there's a guy with like a British accent, like doing the narration, and he's being really quiet, like he's there. Like, he doesn't want to startle the zebras because they might run away and the lions might not get their dinner, right? You know what I'm talking about. And that's, it was that all the time. And then there'd be like an occasional gazelle or a hippo or a giraffe would walk by. And then, oh, did you know the cheetah can run really fast? Let's get back to the lions and watch what, you know. It was always the lions that were hunting and I, I noticed something, you know, even then as a kid, and for those of you that you've, um, you're laughing because you've seen that same thing, I, you know, it was just like that same program on a loop, and you've seen it. And we could probably turn on National Geographic, you know, today, and at some point through the day, even though they have all this variety of programming, at some point during the day, that would probably come on or something of that ilk. And I remember even as a kid, you know, kind of noticing that um, the, the zebras, I always wondered, like, why didn't they just go ahead and run away? Because the narrator would talk about how, like, they're aware that the lion is there. They'd see him kind of lurking, and uh, maybe the lion would make kind of a first pass at, at one of the outliers, and, um, you know, maybe it would kick him a little bit, or it would uh, skirt away or whatever. And there's still this herd, and they're just, they're just there doing their thing. And I noticed that even, you know, as a kid, I noticed that the lion never did go into the middle of the herd to attack, right? 
He was always like biding his time, or really it was she, because we all know that the female lion is the one that hunts. The, the male lion was at home in the den sleeping or something, I don't know. Um, what a jerk. Unbelievable. I mean, my goodness. So she would always kind of bide her time until one strayed a little too far from the herd. One got just one step away, or it was the, it was the weak one, it was the injured one, it was the hurt one, the one that couldn't run as fast. And then that's when the lion would pounce. The lion never did go into the middle of the pack. It always picked on the one that was on the perimeter, on the, on the extreme, on the edge. And 1 Peter 5.8 says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And you need to know that who he's picking on primarily, is those of us that would find ourselves in the class, or we would classify ourselves as, as alone, lonely, outside of community. And if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us feel that way. A lot of us feel, even if we're in proximity with other people, a lot of us feel alone. Or lonely. We realize if we pull back and we look at the scope of the landscape of our life that we are lacking real community. And, and it's, it's, it's something that we've even chosen for ourselves, at least on a subconscious level. I don't think that we've intentionally, most of us have intentionally chosen to be alone or, or lonely, but, but it's become the, the very nature of the culture and society in which we live that's been brought on just simply by the fact that we're so stinking busy all the time. We don't have time to be in community with other people. We don't have time to be in these deep, uh, engaging relationships with others. And then that's only been exacerbated by this, you know, past seven months. Social distancing, right? Right? Tell me that's not an attack from the devil at its very core. To separate, to divide, to get people. Look, look at this, this season that we've walked through over 2020. Every single thing just about has division at its core. That is the enemy at work, and that's why Peter says, hey, you need to watch out. You need to be alert because the devil, he is like a roaring lion. He is, he's seeking to divide you, to get you away from the pack so that he can devour you. And the issue is, is that a lot of us, we're choosing this for ourselves, and we'll justify it because community, living in community, it's hard 
There's scheduling conflicts and, and, and there's, there's all of these things that are taking place in our lives that come up as reasons for why we shouldn't. We're tired or we have a headache or the kids have soccer practice or there's this thing and we had to work late and this and that and, just, and we just expend all of these excuses as to why we're not engaging in these deep, meaningful relationships past surface level with other people. It's a whole lot easier to just not try and hope that somewhere along the way it's just going to happen. But community is not something that you and I are accidentally going to slip and fall into. It's something that we have to be purposeful and intentional about. It's something that we have to carve out time for, and we have to seek it out in order for it to happen. But as long as we don't know this, we are playing right into the enemy's hand. He has us right where he wants us. And the main problem with all of this is that we have, especially within the circle of the church, we have deceived ourselves into thinking that we are safe because the rest of the herd is somewhere close by. That just because we're in proximity with other people, we've deceived ourselves into thinking that we're in community with other people people. But just because you're close to somebody doesn't mean that you are in community, engaged with them. And today we're in part two of a series that we're calling What's Next, where we're taking a look at the four pillars of the discipleship strategy that I uh, introduced back on Vision Sunday a couple weeks ago. And so if you haven't heard, if you haven't listened, watched that message, you can go back and check out um, our YouTube channel or find us on uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you can find us there and listen to that podcast or watch that message. Last week, we talked about what it looks like to know God and how that is absolutely unequivocally paramount for our faith. And we learned that what positions us to know him, to truly know him, doesn't have anything to do with religion or reputation. At the end of the day, God just wants a relationship with us. And we experience that relationship through his word and through prayer and through worship. And so today we're going to take another step and we're going to go to part two, to step two of that discipleship strategy. And the pillar that we're going to talk about today is find community. Because first, we need to know God. And a lot of us that are in the church, if, 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 uh, if, if you've been in the church for any amount of time, if you are what you would call a Christ follower, a Christian, a lot of us, we don't have any problem with that no God piece. We're all in on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to do that. That's, that's, where, that's where I'm at. That's what my focus is and everything. But a lot of us, we stop there at step number one. We never take it any further than that. So it's not just enough to know God, but in order to walk out this Christ walk, you're gonna, you're gonna need some other things to take place. So it doesn't, it doesn't 
end with the cross. Like that's the beginning. And so we move past the cross into these other things that Jesus came for us to be, to be able to experience when he said, I, I want you to have life in all of its fullness. That's what we're talking about. And so part of that is not just for us to know God. Yes, that is paramount. That is super important. That is the first thing. That's the main thing. But when we take a step beyond the cross to experience life in all of its fullness, that next step is for us to find community. And that starts by going all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, where we take a look at the creation narrative there in Genesis chapter one. God created the heavens and the earth. He created night and day. He created the sun, the moon, and the stars. He created land and water. He created plants and vegetation. He created fish and birds and land animals. And then finally, it culminates with God creating man who you and I traditionally know as Adam right? And God sat back and he looked over his creation and he said, it is good. But then we get to Genesis chapter two, where all of a sudden God has a discovery or makes a proclamation that all of a sudden there is part of his creation that is not good. We come to Genesis 2.18. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. God looked around at this incredible creation and he said, all of it is good except for one thing. We got this guy, Adam, in the garden. He's all by himself. Now, God was there with him. We know that God showed up in the garden and walked with him and that they had a relationship. Adam knew God. God knew Adam. They were together. But yet God says, this isn't enough. He needs more. And so he created a helper. He created another human being to be in relationship with him because God said it's not good for the man. It's not good for us to be alone. See, from the very beginning, you and I, we were created to be in relationship, not just with God. Yes, definitely have to be in a relationship with God. That is key, that is paramount. But it doesn't just end there. From the very beginning, we were created to be in a relationship not just with God, but also with other people, with other people. And so that kind of lays the foundation and presents this idea of biblical community, biblical community. And so I want to answer three questions about biblical community for the rest of our time today. I want to, I want to talk about the why for biblical community. Why should, why should I participate in it? I want to talk about the what, or maybe what you're probably thinking is what's in it for me if I participate in it. And then finally, I want to talk about the how. How do we participate in biblical community? What exactly does that look like? And so let's start off to answer that why question when we're talking about biblical community. First, we're going to look at the reasons for it, the reasons for biblical community. And that takes us to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 7. It says this, the writer says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. 
So the writer is going through a series of things in this book, and he's pointing out things that, that they're meaningless, they're worthless, they're pointless, they just don't make any sense. And he says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone, right, which we know from Genesis 2 that it, it's no good for us to be all alone, that that's not how we were created. This is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depressing. Essentially, you've got this guy, and he's by himself, but he's got a great job. He's making lots of money, but at the end of the day, he looks around and says, I don't have anyone to share this with. I don't have anyone to enjoy this with, so what is the point of it all? That's the question that he's asking. Continuing on, it says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Verse 10. There you go. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone who falls alone is in real trouble, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So what the author here in the writer here in Ecclesiastes is trying to help us understand is that simply sharing life with others brings purpose and fulfillment. Sharing life with others brings us purpose and fulfillment. And and he presents four ways in particular that we can share our life, be in community with other people. So if you're taking notes, maybe you want to write these down for uh, just really quick bullet points. In verse 9, he talks about our work. He talks about our work. He says, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. How many of you know that sometimes you just need an extra set of hands to help hold the flashlight, right? We can't do it all. You can't like get it in your neck and have the wrench and do all of this. You got to have somebody there to help you. And when you have someone that is working with you and you are like-minded and you are focused on the same goal that you're able to move forward and you can accomplish so much more together than you ever could by yourself. That's what team is all about. Together, everyone achieves more, Right? And we've been called to live for something more. And that's what this idea of community is all about. Sometimes in our work, we just need someone to help hold the flashlight so that we can get more accomplished. The second thing he talks about is in verse 10, it says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Talking about our walk. We need people in our life that are gonna offer support and accountability. It's just like Bubba told Forrest when they were in Vietnam. I'm going to lean up against you. You lean right back up against me. That way we don't have to sleep with our heads in the mud. Some of y'all are sleeping with your head in the mud and you are griping and complaining because you are dirty all the time. But it's because 
You don't have anyone around. You haven't welcomed anyone in. You're not engaging and participating in community. And so when when things get slippery and, and things get off kilter, you fall down and you look around and there's nobody there to pick you up. There's nobody there for you to lean on. There's nobody there to steady you when the terrain gets rough and rocky. So it's not just in our work, it's also in our walk. It's also in our walk. The fourth thing comes from, or the third thing comes from verse 11. It says, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can we be warm alone? Our warmth. This is talking about physical needs. There are just some innate, God-given needs that you and I have as human beings that we are incapable of meeting on our own. It requires us, it puts us in a position from the get-go to depend on the help of someone else. It's how we were designed. There's nothing wrong with us. It's how God made us to depend on the help of other people to come and meet our needs. Then the fourth thing from verse 12 A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Our watch, our work, our walk, our warmth, and our watch. This is spiritual warfare that it's talking about. It is physically impossible for you to watch your own back. Even the greatest fighter pilot to ever grace the skies, Maverick, he needed goose. You know what I'm talking about? You've got to have someone else to watch your six because you can't do it. And we need those people in our lives who have our back, that they're watching for the onslaught of the enemy and that they're lifting us up in prayer and they are guarding us. And together, back to back, we can face the world and all of its difficulty. We've got to have that in our Life. And then it closes out in verse 12. It says, three are even better, because it's talking about one person with another person, two people, how powerful they are. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Let me give you an example. I've got a pencil, just one pencil by itself. I can crack that pretty easily, right? Two pencils, I don't know, we'll see. Like, yeah, a little bit more difficult, a little bit more difficult. But now three pencils together? <laughs> They're all working together. And what that represents is, that represents you and the other person and then Jesus. That's that three-braided cord. It's not easily broken. When you're in a God-honoring relationship and Jesus is at the center, whether that's your marriage, whether it's a friendship, whatever that looks like, that you, you become a force to be reckoned with when you put Jesus in the middle. And watch this. Now you get a bunch of your other friends and you surround, you sur- no, no, come on, try to break this. Doug Lane, I dare you. Can't do it. Try to break this. You can't do it. 
That's what it should look like. We shouldn't be on the outside of that herd. As far as me, I'm going to get right in the middle. I want sheep and zebras and goats and whatever. I want them all around me. I want to be right in the middle to know that there's no chance that the enemy can touch me because it's how I was created to be. And a cord of three strands is not easily broken. So if you don't want the enemy to pick on you, get right in the middle of that community and say, devil, I double dog dare you. You'll become untouchable. Because it's how we were created to operate. That is how we, how we were created to live. That's the reasons behind it. The answer is the why. Now, let's talk about the what. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? The benefits of biblical community. All right. So, rapid fire. If you're taking notes, write these down. A bunch of scriptures. Maybe you just want to get the... The, the, the references, and you can go back and look at these later, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through them. But maybe you can testify just to yourself if this is anything that you could use that would be a benefit to you. Some of the benefits of, of biblical community, uh, number one is that our personal needs get met. Our personal needs get met. Acts chapter 2, 44 and 45 And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Sometimes we just got needs that we're unable to meet, but when we surround ourselves with other people, they can take the resources, the skills, the gifts, the ability, and they can invest those things into our life and they're able to take care of us and meet those needs as a result. Proverbs 17, 17. Proverbs 17, 17, this is friendship and support. A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. Anybody out there could use a friend? Anybody out there could use some support from time to time? Yeah? Yeah? How about encouragement? Warning? Hey, you may not want to do that. Hey, that that might be dangerous. Hey, you may want to think twice about that. How about care? Encouragement, warning, and care. Couple, couple verses. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together, right? Because community requires us to meet together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. First Thessalonians Chapter 5, verse 14. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, and take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. That's what community is going to get you. It's going to get people around you to encourage you. They're going to warn you if if something isn't right in your life and when something goes wrong and when you need it, there's going to be people there to provide care for you when you are struggling. Galatians chapter 6 verses 1 and 2, help carrying our burdens. Paul writes, dear brothers and sisters, if any believer is overcome by some sin, You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. You've experienced this before. You get home from the grocery store. You open up the back of the SUV. 
and I'm specifically speaking to all the men right now because we want to make one trip and one trip alone. And so you literally have 47 Walmart bags, a case of water, some Diet Coke, a Mountain Dew, and, you're, and it's all hanging off of your body. And those bags are like cutting off the circulation of your fingers and your fingers are about to pop off like little hot dogs. <laughs> and you get about halfway in and, you, and, and the bags break and stuff starts to go over. You've experienced that before and the Diet Coke falls out of the thing and it busts and it starts spraying all... It's because... Because we, we try to do it all of ourselves. We try to carry that load alone. But, but if you got like, I don't know, like some kids, like maybe a 14-year-old boy and an 11-year-old girl, I, just speculative, and you say, hey, Luke and Avery, if that's what they were named, <laughs> y'all come help me carry this, becomes a whole lot easier. You don't have to strain. You don't have to struggle. It makes it so much easier when you allow someone else to help share in and carry the burden. James 5.16, this is a big one. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. According to that, through community, we can find healing and freedom. We can find healing and freedom. A lot of you are like, wait, I thought we were supposed to confess our sins to God. You are for forgiveness, but it says confess your sins to each other for healing. We need other people around us that we can get down to the nitty-gritty with and that we can be real with to let them know what we are dealing with. And as we come clean with that stuff in our lives, God's going to use it to bring healing and freedom and wholeness and give them the opportunity to speak into our lives and to hold us accountable and support us and carry those burdens along with us. It's going to make such a difference. What about love? Anybody want to be loved? How about service? Anybody want to be served? Anybody want to honor God with their life and give him glory? 1 Peter 4, verses 8 through 11, it says, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. So use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Here's the best part about community. When you ask, well, what, what's in it for me? Yeah, you get all of those things, but guess what? It's also an opportunity for you to give those things to others. And guess what? In community, if I meet your need and you meet my need, whose needs go unmet? Nobody's. We work together according to God's design, how he meant for us to be. And within that group, the last thing, the benefit is that it's an opportunity for 
unity, an opportunity for unity. Check this out, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. He says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony or in unity with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Psalm 133.1 says, How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony, in unity together with each other. And can I just say that now more than ever, this is something that our world and our country in particular desperately needs. Unity especially with those who don't look like you, who don't think like you, who may not talk like you, who may not have the same political views that you do. Unity with those people, it's not compromise. It's biblical. That's what it means to be a Christian, a Christ follower. And the world is watching us those of us who are proclaiming to be Christ followers, and they're looking to us to set the example. And sadly, what I see in a lot of places is not brothers and sisters, believers in Jesus, being agents of peace and unity. Instead, I see them being the ones widening the divide It's an opportunity, it's a responsibility that you and I have. And the only way that we can do that is within community. It's not going to happen because we shake our fist up in a tree at Zacchaeus. It's only going to happen because we widen the door and we lengthen the table and we sit down and we have conversations and we pray with one another and we spend time with one another. That's how it's going to happen, and that is the benefit, not just for you, but the benefit for you to provide to other people within the realm of community. So we've talked about the why, we've talked about the what, now let's talk about the how, the model for biblical community. How do we do it? How do we do it? Acts chapter 2, maybe you had a finger there, um, or you've, you've swiped there after the fact. Acts chapter 2. Starting with verse 42 and then skipping down to 46 and 47, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They worshiped together at the temple each day, they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is further reiterated in chapter 20 of Acts, where Paul says this. He says, I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly, corporately, like this setting that we're in right now, or in your homes. That's key right there in your homes. So based on those two passages and, and, and Paul, uh, writer of approximately half of the New Testament, he helped to establish the New Testament church. And so this is what he's proclaiming. 
that I spent time teaching you, engaging with you, teaching you the ways of, of, of the Lord, either publicly, corporately, or in your homes, that both of those things were going on. So what does biblical community look like? There's a few guidelines. Every person, okay? Every person. It's multi-generational. You're never too old for biblical community. You're never too young for biblical community. Everyone has a place. It's all of those people spending time together, talking about the goodness of God together, sharing a meal together. I thought I'd get a real good amen right there. Because I don't know what you, maybe y'all were thinking like tofu and kale. I was thinking like fried chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy. So I don't know, maybe y'all were just doing it wrong. But it, uh, for me, I'll just amen myself. Macaroni and cheese. Mm. some green beans, some rolls. That's what I was thinking of. Every person, multi-generational, spending time together, talking about the goodness of God together, sharing a meal together, taking communion together. The body, the blood, we talked about it earlier from Ephesians. It's his cross, the cross of Calvary that unites us all. Praying together or praying for each other. And it's beyond the walls of the church building, the auditorium. Like, yeah, when you come to church on a Sunday morning, you're going to like dabble on the fringes of community. But like everybody in a, in a row facing the same direction, that's not really community. Community happens when you get in a circle and you face each other. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to brush up against that like outside when we dismiss and you're going to shake some hands and, you know, stand around for a minute and talk to people. But then you got lunch to get to and you got, you got life to get back to and everything. And so that's going to be short-lived here on a Sunday morning. What you've got to do is in your home, carve out this time. You want to really get to know somebody, sit around the dinner table with them and at, at your house or at a restaurant. Have a conversation, share a meal together. You want to really dig deep into a relationship with somebody? Hey, let's move from the table over to the living room and let's sit here on the couch and, and we can have some coffee and, and everything and let's, let's dig, you know, let's, let's dig even, even deeper. That's where it happens. You're going to get a taste of it here on Sunday morning, but you won't get the full experience unless it's happening at times outside of this. And I get a lot of questions about community and, and, and what, it, what it really looks like practically. Community looks like this. It's you and one other person. It can be as simple as that. You and one other person doing those things that we just talked about. Or it's your family and one other family doing those things that we talked about. Or, or, or maybe it's, it's you and, and two or three other people or, or your family and two or three other families. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be grandiose. It just has to be 
purposeful and intentional, something that you're not just waiting to happen to you. You've got to get out and and grab the bull by the horns and and seek it for yourself. Make it happen for yourself. Because if if you're here this morning, you say, well, I would be in biblical community if someone else would invite me. That is the nudge of the Holy Spirit for you to take the lead right there. That's what it is. Don't, ca- don't listen to the lies of the enemy to say, well, if I put myself out there, nobody's going to want to be a part of it with me. That is a lie. You're already connected with people. You already have relationships with people. Let's just be intentional about them. All over this community, can you imagine what would happen if we just started to do this? If on Friday nights or Sunday evenings or Saturday afternoons, we would just come together and have a meal and just spend time together. Pray for one another. Just do life. Just rub up against each other relationally. What that might look like could be awkward the first time or two, but man, talk to somebody that's been in community like that, been around the dinner table like that regularly ongoing for three months, six months, nine months, a year, two years, five years. All it could be is simply you stepping up and inviting one other person you stepping up and inviting one other family. You don't have to do it alone. We want to resource you. We want to help you. We want to give you some some tips and tricks and tools. We want to help to foster this kind of thing within our church and within our community. There's people here this morning in this room that the reason that they're here is not because they stumbled into Christ's walk one morning. It's because they stumbled into someone's living room one evening and built relationships with them. And then as a result, they've come here to be a part of this body of believers. There is power in community and all it takes is somebody saying, yeah, I want that for myself. And so I'm gonna step up and I'm gonna invite somebody else to be a part of it with me. We experienced that back during the the shutdown when we had house churches that were taking place and some of the most fulfilling times that I've ever experienced in worship and fellowship and celebration as a pastor is going to those homes and being with people. There's just something about it that is so much different than what you can get right here. And the truth is, you're probably doing the majority of this stuff already. You're already from time to time getting together with people and hanging out with people and sharing a meal with people. You're already probably have those people in your life that when, when struggle comes and, and you need some help or whatever, that, that you need some prayer, you're already reaching out to those people. Well, if that's the case, then let's just make it more purposeful and regular and intentional Get it on the calendar. Let's set it up and let's, let's do this thing for real. Not like when we have the time for it. Let's make the time for it. Let's, let's take the time and make it a regular part of our life. Because the truth is right here, if you're taking notes, write this down. The truth is community with others helps me or helps you maintain communion with God. Communion with others, community with others helps me maintain communion 
with God. Jesus said it in Matthew 22. He was asked by one of the Pharisees, a teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? They were trying to get Jesus in a trap. And this is what Jesus said. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. He didn't stop there. He said, but a second is equally important. Equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Yeah, we need to know God. We need to be in a right relationship with him vertically. But also of equal importance, we need to find community. And we need to be in right relationships with people horizontally. Find it interesting what shape that makes. Anybody tracking with me? Here's what you need to know and understand. You can know God all you want to. You can be in a right relationship with him all you want to, but if you're not in a right relationship this way, then your relationship with God is out of whack. You can be in great standing with all those that are around you. You can be like digging into community and over at someone's house for dinner and everything all the time. And you can be just have these awesome relationships. But if you're not in right relationship with God, your relationship with man will never be what it can be. Both of those things work together symbiotically to create the foundation of this full life that you and I have been called to live. So if you want to be in right relationship with man, I'd suggest that as a part of this church, you get plugged into a life group. It's essential to your walk with Christ, simply put. In order to find out all the information about that, you can go to our website, thechristwalk.com forward slash groups. There you'll see that we've got connect groups for men, connect groups for women, We've got community groups for families that are coming together and they're experiencing life together. We've got care groups for those dealing with things like divorce or grief or looking for financial freedom. Maybe you go there today and you say, Pastor Blake, there's not a group there that really meets my need or fits my demographic or whatever. Start one. Find out all the information there as well how you can launch a group. And and we don't wanna just throw you to the wolves. We wanna come alongside you and support you so that you can help us, help other people experience this kind of community. And that's all community takes is just people willing to step up and invite people into those kinds of relationships in their life. Maybe you've got other questions today. Just stop by the big green tent after service and there'll be someone there that can point you in the right direction. We'll see to it that we answer your questions and that we get you the help that you need because we want this so desperately for every single person that calls Christ Walk Church home and then some. We've got people in some of our life groups right now that they don't even come here. Can't think of a better entry place you know what they don't come here yet yet but they're already engaging in that type of community and it's only a matter of time before they take that step 
So if you're not in right relationship with man, you want to experience that kind of community. You want to have access to those benefits that we talked about. I'm telling you, you got to get in a life group. It's changed my life. Being a part of groups like that. You won't regret it. But you've got to take the first step. Nobody can take that step for you. If you're willing to do that today, there's help. There's an outlet. We'd love to come alongside. So thechristwalk.com forward slash groups or go to the big green tent. I'll be milling her out outside. I'd, I'd love to answer any questions and help you find what it is that you're looking for. Maybe today you'd say, you know, Pastor Blake, before I can really get in a right relationship with man, first I need to get in right relationship with God. Maybe you've got unrepented sin. Maybe you've never fully surrendered your heart and your life to him. If if you'd like to do that today, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me. It's gonna be right here on the screen. If that's you, maybe you're watching with us online, which by the way, we have life groups that are hybrids. So if you're not even in the area or you're just not too sure about getting out in community with people like, you can do those things over Zoom or FaceTime or there's ways that's you today and you say, Pastor Blake, I'm ready once and for all to take a step into a relationship with my heavenly father through the work of Jesus on the cross, his death and his resurrection. That's you. I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. 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 So what's the next steps for us? And let's commit to be those kind of people that we don't just stop with knowing God, but that we go all in, that we're purposeful and intentional about pursuing biblical community in our lives. Yeah, you may have to shift your schedule. Yes, you may have to give up or sacrifice something else in your life that you otherwise enjoy in order to experience this. But here's what I know. Living this way, engaged completely in biblical community with other people, it honors God. And it's the best way to live because it's how he's called us to live. And he alone is worthy of everything that we have, of everything that we do, of everything we can give. Not just part of us, he wants all of us and he's worthy of it. So as a response to the word this morning, can we just stand all over this house? Band's gonna lead us in worship as we close out. Let's just celebrate the Lord together this morning.